In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Hey, hey, and away we go. Welcome, everybody, to a spacious studio today. We join you in the booth. Tommy at the controls. Brian Higgins is with us via the miracle of uh, radio technology. He is in Boston for the uh, women's basketball game tonight against uh, BC. Brian, hello. How are you? Spacious. I, I didn't know wow. I was taking up that much room in the studio <laughs> when I was there. Well, we're confined uh, because of our friends at Twitch. And hello, uh, folks on uh, Twitch. You know, you got to sit in a certain little area. And it's, uh, you know, all this equipment, all these fancy buttons and things. They take mm-hmm. up a lot of the space. And these uh, boom arms and the whole kind of thing we got going on here. But uh, you sound uh, good, and you sound like you're right here and right next door, so that's all good. Looking forward to uh, women's hoops tonight at BC and then lacrosse on uh, the weekend. So uh, you'll be a busy guy here these next couple of days. Uh, Yeah, it's winter today, spring tomorrow, so uh, we're good with that. Lacrosse season's starting up. Looking forward to that tomorrow. Cuse and Colgate, and uh, I think the Orange are uh, as uh, ready and primed to go for this season as they've been for the opener in a long time, so looking forward to that one. It definitely feels that way. Now, we should point out they lost the opener last year, which happened to be against uh, Colgate, but the anticipation for this season is very high. Everybody knows here in recent years uh, and there's been some teams better than others, but uh, underachieving a little bit in the postseason, and it's go time. It's time to get back to the Final Four, and uh, changes have been made to the coaching staff. The return of uh, last year's best player, Tucker Dordovic, who didn't see any action, is back, and then you add to that uh, the guys who uh, did have some accomplishments from a year ago and returning goalie and all, those, all these types of things. So uh, looking forward to uh, seeing so much in place and a hot start for the lacrosse team, and it's hot in as much as today, Brian. We had you know five inches of snow on the car from overnight, mm-hmm. but you're starting in the dome. Uh, we talked about this earlier in the week because of the dome and because of the Ensley Center. Even more importantly, there's been full field practices. There's none of this sort of slow start to the season that used to be the norm uh, for decades, and uh, that doesn't really apply anymore. And you're playing all these New York-based teams: your Colgates, your Binghamtons. Uh, the women open with Canisius. They're all dying to get here to get out and run and stretch their legs and to play in Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's as dumb as it sounds. You're talking about the snow on the ground. I assume you're going to clean off my car when the, the show is over. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But of all places, of when this sport starts a month earlier than it should, that Syracuse is the place you can go and play in the good weather. And that's why, I mean – the dome is so good for that for for this month especially because Syracuse doesn't have to worry about it. I mean, we see games. Uh, I mean, they were playing real lacrosse games that counted last weekend. In a, anywhere was eligible to do it, uh, and some teams took advantage of when the the season quote unquote uh, officially opened last weekend. But we see games over the years that get snowed out in Duke or Carolina or something. If it's that happening down there, then uh, thank goodness up here that uh, we have it and uh, ready to go. And uh, you said it, all these New York teams, and, and that's what kind of I think makes the first month season. Uh, of the season interesting that well the orange yeah they play colgate every year they lost to colgate last year now colgate didn't look very good last week but syracuse 
want some revenge in this game. Uh, the Army game every year is a, a big deal. The, the Krause-Simmons Trophy, which is usually later in the year with Hobart, just because of the Dome availability this year, they move the schedule around. So that's also in the first month of the season. So, it, you know, it, it's kind of right into the deep end of the pool here to, to start the season. It's, yeah, it's getting ready, but uh, these games all kind of have a little extra something on them than maybe some other teams' February games don't. So I think that's pretty cool this time of year. Ramping up, and not that there ever really is, but that means there's none of this late in the season. There are no breathers uh, once you get past uh, this crop and get into conference play. It's a, a similar uh, schedule year to year for lacrosse because they play a lot of the same teams non-conference, uh, and uh, and that's the way it goes. But it does get started uh, here tomorrow afternoon, 4 o'clock in the Dome. The women at 7.30 against Canisius. They have uh, also very high hopes at the start of the year. Uh, if you want to think about uh, summer, coming up is the Chris Stapleton Show. We gave away tickets uh, early in the week via Pick 6. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. That's uh, Friday the 7th at 10 a.m. LiveNation.com at the On Center box office. You can call 1-800-745-3000. Listen to ESPN Radio all week. There are uh, various ways you can win tickets to see uh, Chris Stapleton before you can buy them tomorrow. But uh, if you haven't won them so far, Chris Stapleton coming to the amp and those tickets on sale tomorrow a.m. beginning at uh, 10 a.m. So uh, a full day really tomorrow. Uh, softball's even getting its season going. Uh, they always open the year in uh, warmer climes, obviously. Uh, ice hockey's got uh, a home uh, series this weekend. So uh, lots happening on the hill and hope that uh, you can take advantage of it. Women's basketball tonight, Brian, in Beantown. And this is a women's season that uh, has gotten off the rails in a way. But a win like this is certainly, you know, you need everyone you can get and and no uh, opportunity to mess around tonight against a, a BC program that has not been very good of late. Uh, not good, but improving. Uh, second yeah. year of their new coach and uh, Joanna Burnaby McNamee, who had been at Albany for a few years, had success there. And I mean, she took over a team just lacking talent that really should be able to compete in the league. Like they, she shouldn't have won games last year. And what, what's amazing this year is they have many of the same players with just a couple freshmen mixed in, and they're winning games with players that you really shouldn't necessarily win games with in the ACC, and they're 5-5 five and five in the league right now. So in many ways, to me, they, they've impressed me more than a lot of the other teams in the league. So this, this is a, a sneaky, tricky game for the Orange. Have not lost to them since Syracuse joined the ACC. It's 11 in a row back when uh, they were in the Big East together. BC was a legit one of the better teams in the country uh, at the time, so it was kind of the other way uh, at that point. But th- this is a uh, this is a trickier game than it has been in recent years. So I think Syracuse needs to both watch out, and we've talked about it. They need to run off uh, one heck of a streak from here to the finish line. If we're going to be talking about uh, anything bigger and better this year, yeah, no doubt. And they're they're it's not like they're incapable of it. Uh, they've shown flashes at moments and. We'll have to see if they can play their very best and string it together from uh, here on out. So that is tonight. We also have the Jim Beheim show tonight uh, on TK99 beginning at 7. We'll be live at Carabas in the uh, Fayetteville Town Center if you'd like to come out and check that out. Tomorrow on the show here, we'll get into Lax Hardcore. Brian will be over there for the game anyway, so we'll join him in the Dome, do our show live uh, beginning at 2 o'clock in the Dome Tomorrow, Rick Beardsley will join us. He's got the game on TV and the four-time All-American and very much outspoken uh, lacrosse analyst will uh, share his insights on uh, not only this game, but uh, what he might think of the season ahead uh, here and around the country. So we'll do that tomorrow. All right, so that is all the official business, Brian. We can put that aside. 
Okay. I'd say Kyle Federley may just join us by accident. Tomorrow. Yeah. You never know. He'll be. No, just let him know it's only an hour long show. Well, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's why it's by by accident. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to have to duck out a little early because basketball practice starts at three. So for me to get there on time, I may have to scoot and Kyle can step in and then. There we go. There you go. That You're going to need to learn how to uh, not learn how. You're going to have to, you know, wrangle them around over the course of the season. So you might as well start a little bit uh a little bit early. Kyle's not big on the hard out at the end of the show. So <laughs> no. Well, that we'll, would be we'll kind of a, a good gag we could start. That I wonder if anybody's thought of that on a national I, I radio. I don't know. Um, so I think we've basically done a quick overview. We got Mike Waters coming up. But here's what we really need to get into is that mm-hmm. the the Palui Opus has, uh, has dropped. Uh, he's gotten major publicity. I, I don't know... Uh, is today a print? It's a Wednesday, so there is no print edition. Uh, today's Thursday, no. Or today's was, Thursday. I'm sorry. Was Paulie actually in? I only saw him online. That can't Paulie be. Maybe they're saving the it for Sunday. That's a good question to ask, Mike. Yes. Um, I could not tell you if he's actually in the newsprint, but uh, he was in the break room uh, around lunchtime. He's very pleased with himself, and uh, we're going to talk with Mike about how that uh, story came together and why uh, we were all subjected to it. My morning began with a text from someone. They did an article on Polly, and uh, you know it's a reality. It, it, it's it's true that they did, and uh, we've known this story for a long time. And mm-hmm. and um, Mike did a quality job with it, but uh, there's no putting that uh, toothpaste back in the tube. I said my morning also began the same way with a text from somebody about the article on Polly. So uh, that, I, I think that's just kind of how Central New York woke up this morning, <laughs> finding out about Polly Sibilia. I don't know if that uh, has more kick than a cup of coffee, but and you can find out in the article about the kind of coffee that Polly uh, drinks on his uh, way uh, back and forth across yes. the country. But I, I'd say this article uh, properly, and, and we know how good Mike is. He was not the uh, sports writer of the year in uh, the state last year for no reason. This has properly captured the spirit an essence of uh, one Pauly Scabilia and his uh, rides to and fro across the country. He actually, right down, to, and we'll share it with Mike, he'll, he'll be on here in a second, but right down to um, a couple trademark Pauly lines are in there, such as the claim that whatever rental car he wound up with was the only option that was available at the rental car establishment. That he, That's he kind of a Pauly standby. Yeah, very sparsely stocked <laughs> rental car lots. <laughs> All right, we'll get into that with Mike Waters when we come back. We're brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company. Can you believe they sponsor this? We're, we're so happy that they do. And uh, we hope you in, involve yourself in some uh, Hoffman sausages. We're getting into uh, XFL season. We talked about football. Football means tailgating and hot dogs and sausages. They're all from Hoffman. Bringing the meats. Hoffman, born in Germany, raised in Syracuse since 1879. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. It is indeed, and our next uh, guest is brought to us, as always, on uh, Thursday afternoons by the Oswego County Insurance Agency and uh, Fellman Brothers Automotive. Uh, He joins us again here despite uh, his recent work. He's still invited back. Mike Waters of uh, Syracuse.com, the longtime Orange basketball beat writer. The worst kind of journalism is has apparently taken over of late. The Pauly Sevilla story might just Paul. be there. Yeah. Yes. I, I, you know, 
I, you know, I guess I'm going to have to take my medicine on this one. <laughs> if, I, I, I saw Seth Everett's uh, tweet earlier today saying that, you know, questioning the subject of the profile. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's okay. I can take it. I'll say this, and uh, Brian's with us as well. Brian's on the, the horn from uh, from Boston. When I talk about play-by-play announcers and broadcasting and who does their homework, and we talk about all of them uh, with students and stuff, I I say one of the ways you can tell that Sean McDonough and Mike Tirico and those those types, the, the very cream of the crop, why they're better than the average Joe that comes in, is uh, you can tell the level of their knowledge, how much homework they've done. When I watch a Syracuse game that Sean McDonough calls, I learn something about Syracuse. That's really not true of just about anybody else because we're around the team all the time and you'd have to work pretty hard and dig dig quite a bit to, to know something about the team that, that we don't know. Yeah. And it's a credit to you, Mike, reading this story. Uh, not that I necessarily learned anything new about Polly, but you nailed it. You got all the details. You uh, wrapped it up in a tidy little bow for people to understand and uh, laid it out beautifully. This was uh, one uh, tremendous piece of, of writing. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, we go into the story and then and, and you talked with you about it as well, you know, before writing it and everything. And, you know, we we laugh a little bit. We, we like to take, take our, you know, digs at Polly and stuff every once in a while. But in, in doing the story, you know, I, I did want to, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit and let people in on this is a real thing. You know, Polly has an intense fear of flying. We got it. The reason why, um, and, and you know, it's, it's that part of it. It's really kind of hard to joke about, you know, no, it's uh, not. but then we also had some fun with the tales from the road. And if, if you travel at all, you have road stories. I know you've got them. I've got them. And a guy who has to drive to every road game for both football and basketball is going to have a million. Uh, so I can't tell you the number of stories that Polly told about his days on the road that was left on the cutting room I was going to say, you had to have some good stuff there. Oh, it really was. And, you know, it, it's hard as the writer to leave stuff out. But as one of the editors here at Syracuse.com told me, no one out there is going to know what we left out. We're just going to have to make what we give them really good. <laughs> that's true, and that's why we have radio show. Now, uh, Brian and I were both asking, is this going to be uh, thrust on the people in print form? I hope so. I, I don't know, actually. I'm. Uh, boy, that's a good question. Um, hopefully, either I'll have to find out when it's going to run. It's got to run in the paper at some point. Sunday? So Sunday Maybe special. Sunday. I think it'd be a great Sunday story. I think it, it's certainly long enough. Section. We need a lot of we need a lot of newsprint. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just the Pauly section pulled out. Now, Mike, I, I saw you were in there as well. I had to go in the comment section just to see what people were, you know, saying about Pauly. And uh, you, you dropped a great. It's one of these cutting room story nuggets. So I'll, I'll let you tell it. You dropped a great nugget when somebody asked you how many speeding tickets uh, Pauly got and uh, a story yeah. he had with a, a cop in the Detroit area. Yeah, how many speeding tickets has Pauly gotten over the years? Was a question in the comments and the answer is none. And in fact, he's been pulled over just three times in 17 years. And the best story was, and Matt, I think you might've been in the car. I was. Well, um, I think so if, if you're going the same after, way, I've been in the car once with him when, when we got stopped. So after Syracuse beats Michigan state in 2018 in the NCAA tournament in Detroit, well, obviously Paulie's not driving home to Syracuse. He's going to go on from Detroit to Omaha. So on the trip from Detroit to Omaha, 
He gets pulled over by a cop who does the usual police officer thing. Who are you? You know, license, registration, where, where are you headed? And when Paulie explains that he's with the Syracuse radio team and they're headed to Omaha, the cop replies, you guys have no business being in the Sweet 16. <laughs> and then promptly lets them go. <laughs> the, the time that I got pulled over with him, the cop says, uh, he looks the car up and down, he's, and I forget what model it was, but let, let's just let's just say, uh, well, go with the sponsor. Let's say it's the Burdick Toyota. So the guy says, is this the, the new Forerunner? And <laughs> we just kind of like, uh, yep, yep, it is. And, uh, ah, cool, cool ride. And uh, he went on his way, and that, that was the end of it. Paulie has a way of disarming uh, people, and uh, I'm glad that his, his story is out there. Hope that people get get to enjoy it. But it was spot on, uh, right down to the uh, the impression that you're given that any car rental place that Polly calls only has one vehicle available, and he he gets the last one every time because that that's what we're led to believe. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. the ubiquitous. He, he apologized uh, for what he pulled up in on our trip too. Like yeah. you know, normally I get this, but uh-huh. this was all they had available on this trip. Now, now imagine our uh, football analyst Adam Terry, who is six eight and three twenty. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can imagine how that goes uh, sometimes when when Polly meets us on the road. All right, there will be basketball uh, played in the dome Saturday night, the Orange and Wake. And uh, I guess all you need to know about Wake for beginners is they. They did just handcuff Clemson in a win, but then they had the lead by 12 at Louisville last night. Eventually coughed it up, uh, which uh, seemed to be inevitable. But uh, this is a capable Wake team, Mike, that comes in for Saturday. Yeah, try not to be fooled by their conference record. Yeah, watch that game last night when they were playing Louisville. Obviously, watching it with an eye towards Saturday's game here and saying, "Okay, let's get an idea of you know who Wake is at the moment." And you're like. Well, up 12 at Louisville at half. <laughs> These guys might be a little bit better than we thought. Uh, they do have some good players. Uh, Brandon Childress is a really good guard. Uh, for most of the year, he's been in the top 10 in both scoring and assist in the ACC. There's only one other player in the league that's in the top 10 of both those categories. Syracuse's own Elijah Hughes. Um, they have a big kid, uh, Olivier uh, Saar. Yep. Uh, who's very, very good, uh, top three in the league in rebounding, uh, can score. You know, Syracuse has had trouble with big guys, so you, you obviously have to be concerned with him. So, you know, you look at those first 20 minutes at Louisville, and you have to understand that while the record might say three and whatever in the league, you know, it, it's a team that's capable of, of, of beating you, and you have to be ready to play. And, you know, we'll see how Syracuse is after having this past week off. Obviously not off from practice, just no games this week. So I think it's allowed a few of the guys maybe to rest up a little bit, heal a few of the bumps and bruises, but uh, they're going to have to be ready when, when game time comes on Saturday. No question about it. Uh, Mike Waters, our guest, uh, brought to you by Oswego County Insurance Agency. And uh, Fellman Brothers, Childress averaging uh, 15 points per game. He had 14 last night. Their leading scorer was Andrian White, who's been their leading scorer a number of times this year, and he's a familiar name. Yes, how about that? Andrian White, the younger brother of former Syracuse player Andrew White. And just like older brother Andrew, uh, Andrian's a transfer. Uh, spent the first part of his career at uh, Charlotte and then transferred right up the road to Wake Forest. He's a little bit like older brother Andrew. He's a good shooter. That's really probably the best part of his game. Uh, he can put it on the floor and, and go, but 
um, he's been a big help to them. And, you know, they, uh, you know, just another guy, especially in the zone, that, you know, from the outside, you have to respect his shooting uh, ability and watch out for him. I say my problem with Andrew and Mike is that he got fouled shooting a three about a week and a half ago <laughs> uh, against Virginia and had the gall to make all three free throws uh, when we were trying to get in there for the back half of a doubleheader with the uh, the women. But <laughs> but he stepped up to the line. I was line watching that game. <laughs> that game that was not a fun to watch overtime. Tony Bennett just kind of walked past the whole group after with Virginia just kind of looked at everyone and said, "Do not do that to yourself." Saying so walked into the locker room. <laughs> And, that, and he and he was the winning coach uh, of the game. <laughs> Think how Danny Manning felt. Exactly. But uh, Mike, where are you at? I mean, this it's not exactly halfway through league season, but it might as well be here. I've, with eleven of the the twenty down, the week off, we know where the team stands and the NCAA stuff and all that. But how well prepared are you getting the sense that Syracuse is to to go on a run here in the last half uh, of the season? Uh, you know, regardless of of what it leads to. I think they're prepared. Um, and they're probably capable, but it's still going to be a tough ask. You're asking a team that through 11 games has got kind of a middling record here. It's six and five. They've, they have shown the ability to win on the road. They showed the ability to put together a nice little win streak there with five in a row at one point. But to, you know, it's going to be difficult for them to do what they need to do here over the last nine conference games. And that's basically, they got to win about seven, <laughs> maybe. And maybe if they could, if they only win six, one of those six has to be at Louisville or Florida State. Because if you look at their profile or their resume, what have you, the one thing they're really lacking is that one signature win, a win over a team that's not more than just on the bubble of the NCAA tournament. Be somebody who's an obvious tournament team, a high seed, um, you know, somebody that's in the top 20 in the country in either the net or the Ken Palm. Uh, they, they're lacking that. They have a few wins that qualify as quad one, but the committee will look within quad one or within quad two and they'll look at like that's a really good quad one win or yeah we got a couple quad one wins but you know what they're just barely in there they they know the difference so you know you look at that Louisville game on the road in a week and a half you you look at the the Florida State game also on the road coming up soon i think Syracuse has to get one of those and then take care of business and it just it's going to be hard cuz while we focus on those you got road trips to Pitt BC and Miami Man, that's going to be really tough, you know, to to win all of those. So, you know, we're we're talking about, you know, a team that's six and five in the league, and, and we're going to ask them to go either six and three or seven and two down the home stretch. Syracuse, so just to fill in the numbers on what Mike's talking about, uh, currently owns a three and four record in uh, Quad One. That won't be helped by Wake Forest, who's not in Quad One. Uh, their net is over a hundred. Their RPI is over a hundred. So uh, Wake Forest certainly not a tournament team at this point. NC State further down the road. So there just aren't really necessarily the opportunities outside of the two games that you mentioned to uh, improve on that a great deal. But uh, the games at Louisville and Florida State loom. That's why the Duke game was so important because it was a chance uh, among the top three teams in the conference. It was the only game the Orange were playing. At home, what did we take out of that one, Mike? Uh, a game that uh, the Orange led for 16 and a half minutes of the first half, but uh, obviously did not have enough and did not have an answer to Vernon Carey. Didn't have an answer to Vernon Carey. That's not a huge surprise. Uh, you know, didn't shoot it well from three, only six of 26, but they're right there. 
Uh, and that tells me that this is a team that is improved. Maybe not by leaps and bounds, but this is a team that is improved since late November, early December, when they couldn't hang with Oklahoma State or Penn State. But now they're playing Duke head-to-head. Um, what were they, down five with three minutes to go, making a, a late run at the Blue Devils? Mm-hmm. And, and on a night when not everything was perfect, it wasn't one of these upsets you see where, where the underdog, it's just their night. That wasn't necessarily Syracuse's night at the Carrier Dome. But they were there and they battled. They hung tough on the boards. Uh, they turned Duke over a lot. Uh, you know, they did a lot of things right, and something can go their way, and yet still there they were. That's the sort of thing that does give you hope that this team is getting better. If they're able to do that at Duke, you know, can they then beat Wake? beat North Carolina State? Can they take down a Louisville or Florida State on the road? And then they have to keep that momentum going through the end until early March. Okay, anything else there, Brian? I think that's uh, I think that wraps it up there. Okay. We got Pauly, I mean, and some basketball. Good no set questions of... about Oingo Boingo? <laughs> I'm pretty good on Oingo. Actually, I take that back. There were a couple of things that I did learn in that story. One is that he claims he's going to go try to see the leftovers of Oingo Boingo at Coachella. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sounds like another road trip, Matt. <laughs> How about the and, and two copies of every single Oingo Boingo album? Well, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> God forbid you're... We all hate what happens when your primary Oingo Boingo uh, device, whether that's you know vinyl or CD or whatever, when... When your go-to Oingo Boingo is busted or worn out or disappears, we all know how helpless that a feeling that can be. I have this image of the one set of Oingo Boingo albums are in his house, but then for safekeeping, the other set are either in a storage unit or a safety deposit box somewhere. Absolutely. Well, who knows what else is in there? That's that's the scary part. Um, for. Just for people, and I was just scanning there earlier because Brian mentioned it, the uh, the comment section, uh, there's a lot of people that took some interest. Now, even the one who says, well, it must be a slow news day, comments on So it, always incredible, the Syracuse.com uh, comment section. It, it uh, never disappoints for comedy. But uh, pe- people but in do. In terms uh, of a slow they, news day, it shows you, again, my powers as a reporter, yes. that I anticipated this two weeks ago <laughs> right, right. and went on an 18-hour, two-day road trip with Polly just to fill a slow news day. I'm good, man. Right, right. I, don't, I don't care what you're saying. I love it. So you got that uh, uh, squared away. Good stuff. Uh, just point of fact, one minor clerical error for uh, all the people that uh, out there are you know really invested in Polly's story now. Uh, he will not be doing the Tallahassee trip or the Miami trip. So uh, his longest, and there's no Carolina trips this year, so you might have been on the longest one for this season, pending now, dot, 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 pending anything that comes up in the postseason. Now, Paulie will go to Greensboro. That's a haul. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, if you're talking about, if Syracuse is in the NIT, it's going to be on the road, right? So yep. uh, NIT or NCAA tournament, and I have not looked at the NCAA cities uh, this year yet, but uh, well. <laughs> in, that, in that case, you don't really get a fill-in pending you know where they are because not a lot of turnaround time there or whatever. So the chances are Polly uh, could have another long haul in them this year. Maybe that would be a fan contest. We could <laughs> Ride with Polly to Dayton? <laughs> <laughs> be great. 
Except Dayton. I'll leave that to you guys. Well, Dayton's not going to work out, I don't think, because the Dayton Flyers are a three seed or, or somewhere in that neighborhood. And I don't know if Dayton is in the cards uh, this year, but it could be. I would sign for that right this very second. Yeah, right. Another another trip to the first four. Absolutely, let's let's go. And then Take you're it. stuck. You, you then you just got to go wherever you go, you go next. I that's, mean, you start that trip, you never know where <laughs> you're going. That's right, San Jose, and he would do it. Could double with Coachella, maybe see Oingo Boingo <laughs> on the road. All right, uh, thank you, Michael. You're, I, I, I can't wait to see what your next piece is. If you could do a whole series on the stories behind the stories in and uh, Syracuse basketball in particular. Twenty four hours of Todd Blumen is next. I, I like that one. <laughs> There's lots of fodder, <laughs> so as much. you well know. All right, good work, my friend, and we will talk to you uh, next week. We'll see you on Saturday. Sounds good, Matt. Mike Have Waters, fun in Boston, Brian. We'll do. Uh, Mike Waters of uh, Syracuse. dot com. Good to have him along with us. Okay, uh, we can put the poly story to bed for now. You think, Brian? Well, I don't know if we're quite capable of that, but we can try. Okay, we'll try to do that. Uh, for the, the rest of the, the show, maybe, but no promises. Okay, back with Do We Care and a couple other items as we uh, roll along. You're listening to In the Booth on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care no more. You guys opened Tuesday's show with the firing of Knicks president, Steve Mills. Well, it looks like they already have the replacement, and that'll be agent Leon Rose, who actually is the agent of Carmelo Anthony, Joel Embiid, Chris Paul, amongst some other NBA superstars. So they wanted to follow the direction of the uh, Lakers and uh, Warriors in hiring an agent as their GM. Yeah, we mentioned this has happened in baseball a little bit, too. Yep. I think it's, uh, at minimum, the Diamondbacks and Mets. Uh, maybe a couple others are run in one way or another by agents. You know, agents are as capable as, as anybody in terms of doing these jobs when it comes to a contract, paperwork, you know, understanding of the strategy of that. They come at it from a different uh, different point of view. I don't know that they have the talent evaluation skills that your typical scout-based general manager is going to have, but... Uh, who am I to say this isn't going to work any better or worse? They, nothing they've done in the last 20 years has worked out uh, for the, the Knicks, so might as well try something differently here and uh, and see if they can get it done. Just Now he's got to move on from the clients that he had uh, to right. take this type of position. They hired an agent I've heard of, so that's, a, I suppose, yeah. a good a good start. I mean, Leon Rose has been doing it a, a, a long a long time. He doesn't get to, you know, put those players on the Knicks, which will be his initial uh, problem. I, and I'd assume, like, part of it is what you said, Matt. They understand salaries. They should have some decent understanding of how the salary cap works, because often you're working your players to teams with that. But I still don't think it really matters who the uh, Knicks uh, GM or president or anybody is right now, considering who the owner is. You can uh, you can hire anybody, and you're not necessarily going to uh, get to do what you want to do or anything that makes sense. But it probably also makes sense uh, to do that than to give up actual uh, draft capital and whatnot to go uh, get a Masai Ujiri or anything like that, because that oh, it just would set him back even further, right? right? I mean, unless you're bringing in a you know some sort of magician that. And I don't mean somebody from Orlando or a Washington <laughs> Wizard, but uh, uh-huh. somebody who really has the, the magic touch to to make it happen. But uh, yeah, might as well go this way and see what that 
does for him. Well, right. I'd say that like if if Musai Ujiri was basically going to trade himself to the Knicks, I don't think there's any reason like the people in Toronto thinking of the way Musai Ujiri must think it's got to rub off on him a little bit that they'd accept any trades because why would they be getting anything that would be worth the value of that? Like that right. that just wouldn't make sense from their end. But who wouldn't make sense really from anybody's end, even though he's uh, really good. Fine, it probably wouldn't make sense from the Raptors' end, but don't you think for the Knicks, even if that first-round pick this year were the number 1 overall pick, wouldn't it be worth it to have a, a leader in place that has proven to do something at another organization, something that the Knicks haven't had in, in what, 20 years? Well, they had Phil Jackson. It's just didn't, But he never didn't. proved it from an, a front office standpoint. Uh, yeah, I suppose, but they need players. Players. They do. And uh, one of the best ways to get players is to pick at the top of the draft, to have the first couple of choices so that you can pick among the best players. And then, ideally, you'd like to be able to get a free agent or two or four that uh, that saves your lot a little bit. But th- they got a long way to go. It's not going to be a one-person fix. I know that. I'll, I'll say this. To, to sort of Tommy's idea, the Knicks have shown that no matter what, they're going to pick the wrong player. So I, it might just not matter if you have the draft pick. So w- yeah. wait a year, give it up, and get a guy that maybe at some point will get you the right guy. But who knows? They have not had any answers that have made sense in a good 20 years now. What's strange to me is that was the initial rumor was that they're they going to go in that direction, wait for Masai Ujiri, and then two days later they've already moved away from that plan and, and hired someone else. Very well, quick again, timeline. It's what comes back to Brian said. There isn't a clear – the. From what I understand, and, and, and in fairness to James Dolan, all I know is what I pick up through the mostly tabloid reporting on him and just some of the stuff. He's a child. He's petulant. The, this idea of using the security personnel to shut down people that yell at, at Knicks games. He's always had a problem with that. He's not taken seriously because of it and doesn't seem to be somebody who has a course of action and sticks to it with a good plan. And that doesn't make him criminal, but that's what happens, what you're talking about. The, the idea that, oh, we'll go this way, and then within a day you're, you're completely switching, and maybe the public communication of it hasn't been great. So uh, just has not been a good track record there uh, with the Knicks for a long time, and I hope they get it turned around, and we'll see if this works for them. And let's not forget they did all this within the, fir- the 48 hours between the trade deadline, yeah. which was also a, uh, a weird, very Knicks thing to do. Moving on to MLB, the uh, basically the Knicks of the MLB, <laughs> the New York Mets, the deal to sell 80% of the franchise to Steve Cohen has reportedly fallen through after the Wilpons wanted to lengthen the transition period between ownership from the previous agreed-upon five years. <laughs> I guess I didn't pick up on that part, part in the first place that it was five. How much longer do you want to... Listen, you can have 80%, but how about that all? You know, you give us the money now, and then, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 years down the line is when uh, you can actually have your 80% or have more of an ownership I, I don't know. That, come on. Yeah, you transition the money this way, and then we'll transition <laughs> the team that way. I mean, the Mets, obviously, the Wilpons just flat out, after all that Ponzi scheme stuff, they do not have enough cash on hand yeah. to do some of the stuff they need to do. They do need an infusion of cash. But when the guy with all the cash shows up and you say, here's the team, it's his team now. Like, And that clearly they didn't want to fully turn the key on that. But, like, hey, you're either selling the team. If you're selling more than 50% of the team, it's not your team anymore. So they got to make up their mind whether they want to 
actually sell the team because uh, billionaires, when they buy stuff, you know, they want to be in charge of it. So, and they should be if a guy like that is willing to front a, a lot of money for a very valuable franchise. Think, like, what type of thing could you buy that you'd be willing to wait five years for it to actually show up? Like, we live <laughs> in an Amazon world now. If it's not at your home in two days after you click the button, uh, you're upset about it. You buy a car. You know, maybe you give them the weekend to get it cleaned out and the paperwork to clear or whatever. You want the car. The the home is not yours, you know, outright until you pay off the, the mortgage, but you get to live there pretty much right away once you sign the paperwork. The the whole five year thing, um, and I you know, don't know the details of what they had in mind for a, a transition plan. That seems like that you have to be awfully patient for that. And for Mets fans holding out hope, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of MLB, said today at the MLB owners' meeting, "quote My belief is there's not going to be a transaction." So why would that be for holding out hope? I think Mets fans probably, by and large, would like to see a change in ownership, wouldn't they? No, no, no. I'm saying for holding out hope that maybe they can get back together. This is a a dagger. This is a dagger yeah. in, in holding out hope. I guess is what I should have said. Looks that way. We've got other baseball news we can get into, including uh, the team that plays in the city that Brian is currently in. Maybe moving on from, not maybe, sounds like they have moved on from one of the best players in baseball. I know Brian will have thoughts on that. We'll hit it in the booth. Brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company when we come back on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. And welcome back, everybody. A couple more minutes uh, in the booth before we wrap things up. And, uh, Brian, one of the great things about where we typically stay in Boston, I know you're a little down the road because uh, Boston College is not really in the city proper in the same way that Northeastern or Boston you are. But uh, Fenway Park is often within walking distance. Uh, so mm-hmm. much fun to uh, kind of go down there and, and see the, the ballpark and the history around it and the the things that are close to the stadium and uh, just a great, if you're a baseball fan, you got to do it. Fenway Park's an all-timer. But uh, one of their greats and certainly a great in the game in terms of overall talent, Mookie Betts, sounds like is on the move to the other side of the country, to the Dodgers, for at least a year. And uh, you, being a Red Sox fan, were ahead of this uh, a few weeks ago about how disappointing it would be to see them uh, move on from Mookie Betts, but it sounds like that's reality now. I mean, it's a complete dereliction of duty of owning a baseball team. Like, what are you doing? Like, you you own one of the most valuable teams in uh, the major leagues behind the, what, the Yankees and the Cubs. Um, you own, the Fenway Sports Group owns, among other things, uh, the stadium they play in, uh, the cha- the television channel they're broadcast on, a NASCAR racing team on top of it. Oh, and they own the Premier League team that is having essentially the best <laughs> season currently in the history of English soccer going back to, like... The 1500s. I These mean, are called uh, revenue streams. Yeah. Uh, Liver- they own Liverpool, who's 24 wins, one draw, no losses right now. This is, They're having like the <laughs> best season in the history of English soccer. They also own the stadium they play in. And they're like, you know, we got to trade away this guy before we got to pay him some money. Yeah. Like the whole, and he's, like, the, he's not a stiff. He's the you know arguably he was, he was the MVP <laughs> two years ago of one of the best regular season teams in the history of the sport you're trying to win games at, <laughs> of which then you won the World Series. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Last year didn't go great. Everyone kind of wore out after you know you had one of the best seasons in the history of the franchise. So you trade away your best player. Why? Because you don't want to pay him and some other uh, pitcher happens to be maybe a little overpaid right now in David Price, and you get back two guys I've never heard of who are uh, okay, I guess. 
I mean, I thought the whole point was to get guys like Mookie Betts. You had them? Uh, give them some money. Everything I've read about these long contracts, sort of the, the idea has changed on it, that, yeah, you're going to give them a crap ton of money, but on the idea that your revenue is going to keep going up, it's actually not going to be as much as you think it's going to be in a few years. And if anyone deserves the contract, it's him. And so what if you wanted to be a free agent? You know who's a great player to give money to people in free agency? The Boston Red Sox. Wait till he becomes a free agent. He can look at other things. You may got to pay him a lot of money, then you pay him a lot of money. But that's the whole point. Someone's going to pay him a lot of money. You had him, and you've opted not to in order to pay uh, players that aren't as good less money. So uh, good work on that. <laughs> well, that pretty much sums it up. That's all the time we have for today. Good work there, Brian. Promo as Mookie Betts uh, moves on. Brian, good luck tonight, okay? All right. We'll see you. Brian Higgins has the women's basketball game at Boston College. We'll have the Coach Bayheim show at Carabas for Tommy and Brian and the whole gang. I'm Matt saying so long. See you tomorrow from the Dome.